podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Kia and welcome to episode 39 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. And this week we're joined by a very special singing guest. So ladies and gentlemen, she's two years old. It's my daughter, Sky. Check this out. Should we sing more Eddie? Yeah. Eddie had a on minus 17. We Not had no money, so we signed I some players no. on. No. We play no. from the but with Pace in a He went to Bulleri. But then he came back. What are they? Eddie and Dwayne are my ten. Bulleri. back. Oh. oh, that is the epitome of cute Sean. How adorable is that? How long did it take you to teach her that? <laughs> she sings it all the time. Everywhere we go in the car, more Eddie, more Eddie. Eddie is definitely her favourite. Love her. Well, our unique season took another crazy turn on Saturday as we managed to pull a point out of the bag from a match which had the pundits, the bookies and even the Cherries fans, all predicting a home win. Mm, but not I, Sean, because I did actually say a draw on last week's show. However, yeah, admittedly, even I was shocked by what happened on Saturday. And there's certainly a lot to talk about. Indeed, Patrick Devitt on Twitter said he was looking forward to a podcast filled with optimism for once. Well, Patrick, this one is certainly for you. Here's what's coming up. We kick off the show with Michael Dunn's match report as he goes over AFC Bournemouth's unexpected 1-1 draw with the mighty Manchester United at Old Trafford. We then get the fan thoughts and your song choices for the week before myself and Sean go over the talking points of the game. Although I can't quite think of any things that we can talk about, Sean. I mean, it was a bit of a dull affair, wasn't it? Sam, it sounds like you saw as much as the match as Rooney did of the stamp. (laughs) Now, after that, we'll then speak to Nick from the AFCB Australia Supporters Club. This weekend, they hosted a special event which saw fans come together for a football tournament where the Cherries emerged victorious. Now, it sounded a great event and all culminated with them watching the match itself down under. And from the sounds of that, they had a very good time. Yeah, it does. The cheers in the pub. Uh, Well, I wasn't in the pub, but I was cheering like mad as well. And I was recording it too, because I was going to put together a little feature. But you might need to turn your decibel levels down a bit later on, because, uh, yeah, you can hear me celebrating rather noisily. We'll then be previewing Bournemouth's next fixture. And this time, it's a home clash with the Hammers at Dean Court. Now, we were going to do a Do You Remember this week and comically play out the two goals from the weekend because well, they seem to have been forgotten already in amongst the Mings, Ibrahimovic, Sermon, Kevin Friend ridiculousness. Alas, this week we've not even got time for that. So we're going to go straight in two-footed with a report of the weekend's match and as ever, describing the action is our very own Michael Dunn. Michael's, 
Uh, Plucky Cherries made the journey to Old Trafford on Saturday lunchtime despite serious concerns regarding whether the home side would be able to get the game to go ahead. But go ahead it did, and come full time, Jose Mourinho may well have been making inquiries as to why all the fake devices were cleared out of the toilets this time around as we battled our way to a vital point in a 1-1 draw which given the backs against the wall circumstances felt almost as good as a win. Eddie Howe had been taken ill the night before the game but it takes more than a dicky tummy to keep the special one from the touchline. With little to lose against the three times European champions our manager brought in Benny Kofobe to partner Josh King in a two-man attack with Jack Wilshire dropping to the bench due to what Jason Tindall shiftily described pre-match as managing his fitness. Our defence has come in for all manner of pelters in recent weeks, and although reports coming out of the court emphasise extra focus on the back floor in training, we once again looked in disarray for most of the first half. Wayne Rooney, Paul Pogba, Slatan Ibrahimovic, Juan Mata and Anthony Marshall all went close after we had misplaced passes, been caught in possession and lost concentration. But none of these global superstars were a match for Arthur Boritz, who put criticism of his performance at West Brom behind him with a series of outstanding saves which would have had Poland manager Adam Nawalka straight on the telephone after the final whistle, urging our number one to reconsider his retirement from international football. United were dominating proceedings, but in committing men forward for what appeared to be an opportunity to put the game out of sight by half-time, they left space in their own half, which the Cherries twice threatened to exploit. First, Josh King accelerated past a confused-looking Phil Jones to find himself clean through on David De Gea's goal, but a moment's hesitation saw the chance vanish at the feet of Marcus Rojo. Next, Benicophobe surprised even himself by out-sprinting Rojo to get on the end of a long clearance. He too was suddenly one-on-one -on -one with De Gea, but inexplicably lost his footing as he attempted to round the Spanish keeper. It appeared to be only a matter of time before United took the lead, and they duly did so on 23 minutes. Bournemouth cleared a corner, but only as far as Michael Carrick, who exchanged passes with Pogba before finding Antonio Valencia on the Bournemouth left. The Ecuadorian sent in a low cross behind our defence, but they declined the opportunity to challenge Rojo for the ball, allowing the United defender to direct it past Boric's first time. The goal looked likely to be the first of many for the home side, but United were unable to add to their lead, and on 40 minutes Bournemouth were level. Mark Pugh's chop has mesmerised defenders in all four divisions, and Phil Jones had clearly failed to do his homework when he fell for it hook, line and sinker, leaving a trailing leg which our longest serving player duly fell over in the 18-yard box. Referee Kevin Friend received no protest from the United players when he pointed to the spot, aside from Ibrahimovic, who was subsequently booked for sharing his opinion. Friend then made Josh King wait to take the penalty whilst he made a show of ensuring all the players were outside the box, but this did not phase the Norwegian, who blasted his kick past De Gea into the top left-hand corner. Our equaliser was the catalyst for a dramatic and unseemly end to the half, as Friend struggled to maintain control of the players. Ibrahimovic and Tyrone Mings had been going at it since the kick-off, and things boiled over just before half-time when Ibra headbutted Mings' boot, and moments later our defender thrust his head towards the Swede's elbow. In the fallout from these incidents, Andrew Sermon gave Ibrahimovic a light shove, but the United forward showed he isn't cast in the role of pantomime villain for nothing, and collapsed to the ground as if shot. This performance caused Friend to show our captain the yellow card, but it was only when Rooney, of all people, tutored the referee in basic arithmetic that Friend remembered he had already booked Sermon for what appeared to be a clean tackle on Luke Shaw early in the half, so off our captain went. Ibrahimovic then told Friend that he did not have the authority to send him off, but it would be no surprise to anyone if he and Mings hear from the FA in the next few days. What all this meant was that we faced 45 minutes with 10 men against a team that had not lost in the league since October. Before the half had even kicked off, Harry Arter had exchanged pleasantries with Jose Mourinho as they emerged from the tunnel, and once play had got underway, Mings almost immediately put in a hefty challenge on Ibrahimovic. Eddie had already withdrawn Pugh in favour of Dan Gosling, and it was clear that we were going to dig in and play for a point. It was unusual to see us take this approach, but the adversity had clearly galvanised the players, and they went about their business in disciplined fashion. There was still plenty of defending to do, but Steve Cook was throwing tackles and blocks in characteristically titanic fashion, whilst Boris continued a redemptive 90 minutes by pouring away a fierce drive from Pogba. Adam Smith was also doing his bit to keep the 20 times champions at bay, but was unfortunate on 71 minutes, when in attempting to keep the ball in play, Pogba hooked it into Smudge's raised arm and Friend awarded the penalty. Ibrahimovic placed the ball on the spot whilst planning to perform a post-goal celebration right in front of Mings, 
but United's talisman had not reckoned with Arta Boric's excellent penalty record and our big pole saved low to his right to guarantee a rapid return to our red and black hearts. Mings was then forced to leave the pitch with a knee problem, an event which saw Bailey Cargill, who was turning out for Adrian Pennock's Gillingham in League One not so long ago, make his Premier League debut at Old Trafford with an assignment to Mark Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Cargill rose to the occasion, joining his nine teammates in repelling multiple United attacks. Mourinho's side were becoming increasingly desperate, and when Pogba miskicked an Ibra knockdown, which looked a certain goal in stoppage time, many of the home fans took it as their cue to leave, being serenaded with a chorus of Is there a bomb scare? by the Cherry Nation as they departed. There was still time for Harry Arter to steal the ball from Martial and momentarily look as if he could fashion a chance to win the game outright. He did not, but all the same, when Kevin Friend blew for full time, the players and fans celebrated as if victory had indeed been claimed. After what seemed like an epoch in the doldrums, this could be the result that reignites our season and hopefully sees us pull away from the danger zone. Only time will tell, of course, but spirits are high once again and we have at least taken a step in the right direction. Mm, that's right, it certainly feels like we have. So there with the summary of the weekend's game, that was Michael Dunn. And remember, you can follow him on Twitter at All Departments. Now, a few weeks ago, you may recall that we were asking for more contributors to the show as we want to make sure that we can carry this on into next season. And one of the first people to throw their hat into the ring was a certain Harry McFletcher Dougal. I'm still not 100% sure that's his actual name. But anyhow... He was able to get access to the press area after the game and he sends this exclusive interview with Jose Mourinho. Jose, how do you feel uh, the game went and in particular the antics of Tyrone Mings, the Bournemouth player? Okay, first I do not comment. I comment on football, I comment on game. Mings is a physical player. He has nice firm buttocks and very nice eyebrows. I would not criticise a man for this. We lose too many points at home this season. We should be winning against teams like uh, Bournemouth. But Eddie Howe, even with, um, how do you say, poo-poo smelly pants, he is still a truly special one. Also, Otto Boric, today he played like he has many arms, like some kind of uh, illiterate octopus. This is all. No more questions. Well, thank you very much, Harry, and there'll be more from him, I'm sure, as the weeks progress. Just what part of the Czech Republic was that accent, by the way? Classic stuff. Anyway, later on, we've also had some audible thoughts sent in too. And this week, we've got a plethora of media soundbites and fans' reactions. So we've got Ben Phillips, Matt from AFCB TV, Man United fan Andy Tate. You've probably seen him from those viral memes. Don't care. Uh, Jeff Stelling, we've got Danny Murphy, and um, the ever... <laughs> critical Jamie Carragher. Uh, as for a song accompanying these viewpoints, well, there was a fair few to choose from. Ross Devonport came in with Heroes by Bowie. All of them. Is it Bowie or Bowie? I never remember. Steve Traylin, the song choice in brackets, Kevin, friend of the devil. Uh, Matt Hills came in with Elbows, Picky Bugger or My Sad Captains. And Mr. Tiggs on Twitter, Stomp by the Brothers Johnson. Even if you don't pick it, have a listen for a boogie. A stomp by the Brothers Johnson. Might just do that there. Uh, Rob Guy came in with, I'm sure this one's been done, but what about Stormzy? Too big for your boots? Or is it just big for your boots? Anyhow, great suggestion. But the winner this week goes to Matt Hills. Steve Wright agreed with this. And it's Elbow, yeah, I like it, with the track called One Day Like This. Phillips from Bournemouth and I'm going to give you my opinion on Saturday lunchtime's game against Manchester United. Well first of all I think the first 20 minutes were a bit all over the place but from that until the end of the match I think Bournemouth were pretty good especially in their defending even though United had something like 16 corners and we only had two and they dominated possession I think Bournemouth were played very well, especially against a team of that quality. Bye. Oh, anyway. It's a great performance from the lads. 
Um, I'm going to bar that on the exception of around the first 20-25 minutes. Man United were really pressing, they were attacking and attacking and the ball just wouldn't go in. It was one of those days for Man United um, which wouldn't really work out for them. But Bournemouth came into this game, a lot of hope and ambition, still um, haven't got a point. Uh, a win even in 2017 and that will be this is our third point we picked up in 2017 and the hopefully from this result today we are going to be going into the rest of the games this season and looking like we're going to pick up some more points Phil Jones he's been here for six years he should know better to make a tackle in the penalty area like that Paul Pogba what was he doing today average Average, he didn't make the right pass at the right time. And two chances at the end, clueless. He, he's, he, you take Zlatan and United out of this, out, out, out of the United side, what are we? Yeah, our two playmakers. Now Zlatan's going to cop a ban. And Pogba, they, some of these United players now need to stand up. They know, what, they know what's expected of him, and they're not doing it. If you think I wink, I did. And the big thing for me is when you when you, you land on something or anything or, or a player and you don't expect it, normally it, it, it affects your reaction. You're expecting your foot to you're expecting your foot to land on the table, mm. kind of, and when you stand on something completely different, that hands head, there was no re and there was no reaction as soon as the ball got cleared. Now, if that had been me, first of all, I think there's two things you do in that situation. You know, I'd have panic and think, oh my god, you know, I've. I haven't meant to do it, and you, you go and speak to the player, or you, you can see it in your face. You, even though the game's going on, you sort of in some way trying to let him know I didn't mean it. Or the other one is, I hope no one's seen this, yeah. and you just carry on with the game. And that's where my suspicion comes from, in that as the ball gets cleared, he just carries on with the game. He knows he's, he's stamped on his head. He, obviously, you can feel it. And there's not that reaction of to apologise. It's just to carry on with the game and hope no one's seen it. Goodness! Oh, I have to tell you, just seen what's happened to, um, just have seen what's oh, happened. Oh, oh. Right. Well, Ibrahimovic's elbow is raised. Let's take a look at this. We're just going to look at it again. Here's Ibrahimovic. Oh my goodness! Right, Ibrahimovic's elbow is a cross king like that. It's a clear. It's a yellow card. Minute. It's probably a straight red card. Before that, Tyrone Mings has stamped on Ibrahimovic's head, and Ibrahimovic has taken instant, instant. Uh, retribution there, but realistically, both players, both players, should see red. I don't, I don't think that we can say for sure. We can give our. I actually, the more I've seen it, don't yeah. think he meant it. No, I don't. My initial reaction was that's horrible, but actually, the more I've watched it. I don't think means it's, meant it's, it's where he's looking, isn't it? Watch thing? Latan has it. It's better full speed, but Latan himself has a little little he go does, there. He does, yes. Mings gets up, has a look at the ball, has a quick look at what I've got to jump over. Well, for sure, I feel he can put his foot somewhere else. Maybe he doesn't need. I'm to. not going to say for sure that he didn't mean it, but my gut tells me that was an accident. The ladder gets. This is up, this is Sermon, onshore. He goes down poleaxe for some reason. Good tackle. What's the right difference? leg. What's the difference? No difference. The so Sherman gets booked. Yeah. Wrongly. Ridiculous, actually. Annoys me. Now, that is a booking because he's pushed Zlatan. Now, Zlatan's a big, strong boy, and I'm not sure he'd have gone over like that in the middle of the street if you'd gone up to him. That's and disappointing, him a push. isn't it? That, I mean, is, that is one of the strongest players we've ever seen in the Premier League. He's going over there. So, where do we begin? I haven't got a clue. I suppose at the very start, when Eddie Howe was out with illness and Sean I don't know about you but I felt awful at this point thinking if he's not on the touchline it's all going to go to pot yeah and it was it was funny it was like Eddie pulled the ultimate Eddie trick of you know this player's going to be injured and's not going to play and then he's in the lineup but this time he did it with himself because uh, on the news the sports news and on the, the TV show it was all very much Eddie will not be on the sideline, he, he he won't have any contact with the players. He'll be up in the stands. And then, of course, once it came to it, there he was, the little battler. 
Yeah, that's right. And Ross Devonport agreed. He was like, no, must be bad to keep him out. But also, no Jack Wilshire in the starting 11 as well. Did that did that surprise you? Because David Buckle on Twitter said he thought it was a, a bit of a back-to-basics move and worth a go. What was your opinion? Yeah, um, also, I mean, he was... We've got... Let's be honest, we had bigger games coming up. And um, I think there was more important games where... Jack is going to be of an attacking benefit. And I think it was also, uh, let's just rest him and, yeah, save him for other games was how I saw it. So how did you honestly feel in the first 15 and 20 minutes watching what you were watching? Because as uh, someone said on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, it was a bit of a carry-on film. I think it was Shoeshine 1973. He said he was half expecting Sid James and Babs Windsor to appear. We were all over the place, weren't we? <laughs> and Arta Boric was keeping us in it, wasn't he? That's such a good explanation of what <laughs> of what we were watching. I mean, yeah, so I was watching it live. It was, uh, what time did it kick off here? One th- I think it was 1.30am, because uh, it was 12.30 kickoff in the UK, eh? Yeah. So one 1.30 here in New Zealand, and it was like, oh, I think I need a coffee, because this is just bizarre what I'm watching. It was, it was how I, we talked about this last week, actually, and about how we kind of have one way of playing, and we discussed about, can't see us going to Old Trafford and playing it tight and trying to keep them out and backs against the wall. We'll go and we'll play the way we always do and we might have some chances, but we'll leave ourselves wide open. And it was ridiculous how open we were. Our fullbacks were getting caught too high. And then you've got Mings giving ridiculous back passes still, players not feeling confident. And it was, I'll be honest, it was an absolute shambles. I mean, how we weren't three down in the first six minutes was an amazing achievement thanks to the big pole largely mm. um but it was just yeah and then the even with the goal that that went in you know a phobase just kind of stood there in the penalty area not picking him up and it was just like oh no it's just worst nightmare stuff yeah that's right and a phobase I mean, he was guilty of not taking an opportunity early on when he was striding through on goal. I don't know what boots he had. Um, maybe they were Astros. I don't know. But that slip, what a terrible time to do it. I mean, it would have been great to score right then. But he's done that like three or four times, hasn't he, this season? I remember times where he's in the box. And then it was, it was for all how ridiculous that opening period of the game was, added to that ridiculousness was... While it was still, you know, we were getting absolutely battered, we suddenly carve out this incredible chance where we're one-on-one, and I'm there going, oh my God, go for it. He's going to score, he's going to score, he's going to score. And it's like, pull the trigger, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. (laughs) And then he, he tries to go round him, and it's, yeah, it was, I think even he was amazed at how much space he had in Old Trafford. And just, yeah, just concentration, I don't know what it was, but... I mean, it would have been ridiculous had we scored at that point. Yeah, so he didn't take his opportunity. And as you said, Rojo did. Uh, But that made it 1-0. But up until that point, as you said, it could have been 3 or 4. Boric was having a blinder. Alex Deutsch said it was astonishing. Leona, I guess Boric made the right decision retiring from international football to concentrate on his club at Jan Liz. I'm hating every minute of this, but well done, Boric, so far. And... He was so, so good. He was closing down the angles and getting... Well, he was pulling some incredible saves out the bag. Um, out the bag. And then as the half went on, <laughs> well, it all got a bit messy, didn't it? Starting with that Zlatan throwdown of Tyrone Mings. And uh, to be honest, I didn't... I mean, I know I, I saw the replay, but at the time, I didn't really appreciate the gravity of... The situation, because that was obviously the catalyst to what happened towards the end of the half. But what were your thoughts when he threw Mings, who's, I'm sure, he's not a lightweight lad. <laughs> he threw him no, down to the ground, properly, didn't he? He properly picks him up. It was like um, giant haystacks, wasn't it? Like just chucking him to the ground. And like you said, how the officials didn't see that. And I think it was because Zlatan was unhappy because Mings was backing into him and had trodden his toe or whatever. And I think it was around that time, wasn't it, when um, Zlatan gave his first warning, I think, to Kevin Friend. Mm, Yeah, that's right. But then, uh, you know, from the doldrums, uh, from the doldrums, Mark Pugh, uh, who had a quiet game. And I was was actually doing some little audio bites on my phone because I thought, yeah, let's do a feature out of this. We didn't do it in the end, but we've got a few clips later, as you'll hear. Um, I I was just saying... 
he had such a poor game up to that point. But then Afobe feeds the ball through to him. And as soon as he's in that position, <laughs> you know what's going to happen. Chop, there we go. Phil Jones has obviously not been uh, you know, studying the DVDs. And hook, line and sinker. Pew goes over, swaggers up with his orbit, Wrigley's extra gum. That's a bad thing. I only noticed that like when I watched it again. Like he chews gum. Isn't that isn't that a really bad thing to do? What if it gets stuck in your throat or something? I and how do you communicate with players? Do you have to put the gum up into your sort of cheek and then speak to them? It, it just doesn't make sense, Mark. It's weird, eh? Like I remember at school, like you know, sometimes you'd like have chewing gum, and it was like the teacher would always be hot on you. Yeah, don't do that. You can choke on it. But then you see a professional, but. I mean, for all the analysts and the scout reports and the match reports and the video analysis, like you said, how the defenders didn't know if number (laughs) seven gets the ball in the box, he will do at least one, at least (laughs) one chop back, potentially more. Like, if he'd have done it on the second or third, you might have been like, well, all right, at some point you've got to do something. But, like... Everybody that's a, a fan in red and black knew once that ball went in, you could scream it. He's going to chop it back here. And then, oh, Phil, Phil. <laughs> yeah. And Mr. Rob Guy on Twitter said uh, the way that Mark Pugh got up and swaggered away, it looked like he was auditioning for a Danny Dyer role. <laughs> Great point there, Rob. <laughs> but hey, Josh King stepped up. And he took that penalty with a plum, didn't he? I mean, that was a great pen. And it, it was so surprising at that point to be effectively rolling in at one all at half time. But that wasn't the end of the action, was it? Because then it all kicked off and there was Mingsgate, Stampgate, whatever you want to call it. Um, we've heard about uh, Zlatan's ban because, of course, the elbow happened soon after that. He's been given a three-game ban. Mings, at the time of broadcast, we don't we don't quite know what's happening to him yet. But what was your verdict on the whole incident, Sean? <sighs> yeah. Firstly, as I discovered on the Sunday as I walked around the Newtown Market, which is the largest um, Newtown Fair, which is the largest street festival in New Zealand, and I had my my blue Bournemouth shirt on and bumped into many Manchester United fans, as of course you'd expect in New Zealand. And uh, dependent on the colour of kit you're wearing, seems to be a big decider on whether did Mings mean it, did he not? And when you look at it in super slow mo. It's it's yes you could he wasn't looking whatever else I from my my experience and I'm you know when I used to be play up front I would have these battles with these centre backs much like went on with these two and there was I I can remember one time there was this mouthy guy who kept fouling me and he and there was a bit of a bundle and I went to go over him and his hand was there and. As I jumped over him, I wasn't intending on hitting his hand, but let's just say I didn't probably get out of the way as much. And I think I ended up landing on his hand and I ran off. He got up, went absolutely livid, swore at the ref, got a red card, went off the pitch. So it was, I guess it was a result. And I didn't mean to do it, but I also didn't mean not to do it. And I think it was, was it Carragher in the fan thoughts and comment yeah. was saying about how Mings reacted afterwards? You know, yeah, he didn't turn around and say, I'm sorry, or he didn't look or whatever. I, it pains me to say it, but I can see why there's a case for it. I can see why there's a case against it. It's a really tough one. But at the end of the day, if Ming, oh yeah, Mings wasn't sort of looking directly at Ibrahimovic, he did take a quick look down and then he looked forward. Now, his right leg clatters with Rooney as he jumps over and the trajectory of his stride over Ibrahimovic I think has been altered by that little sort of coming together with Rooney who who saw the whole incident of course of course um, okay, everything, yeah everything. <laughs> and but you also notice or I do at least anyway on one of the angles he doesn't actually stamp on his head he stamps on his ponytail, which, because it's so bloody long, it pulls back his head. Um, now, if this happened to a short head guy, I'm not even sure whether there'd be any contact, but there wasn't any blood or anything like that. Now, Ibrahimovic, of course, complained because that's what Ibrahimovic sort of does. I still do feel as though I agree with 
Martin Keown for once on Match of the Day. I mean, it was nice to hear Danny Murphy sort of, uh, you know, being on our side, so to speak. Um, I think he was similar to you back in your locomotive day, Sean. He he didn't mean it, but he, he didn't he did not mean it. Um, I think his stride mm. could have taken his foot out of the way. Um, but anyway, it's it's really interesting. Steve Wright said, my verdict, he's looking the other way. John Sharkey, I don't think there was any intent by Mings. Um, and then it went on. Now, we posed the question over Twitter and some Man United fans got involved and said, if Mings was called for the foul when he was holding on to Zlatan, he wouldn't have had to swat him away. And then we were reverse engineering time so much that <laughs> it was it was all a bit too much. But then it did cause a reaction from Zlatan when they had that corner, didn't it? And that was blatant. Yeah, I, I, you, that one seems to be a, a harder one. I, 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 I haven't really heard anyone other than, I think, Zlatan himself, obviously, who, like, give that guy some media training before he speaks to the press. <laughs> so, you know, like, literally, it could have been the Man United press guy. All he needed was 60 seconds. Right, Zlatan, you're about to go live on TV. Just about the elbow. So what's your, what's your line you're going to run with? I'm thinking that he jumped into my elbow. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, don't say, that. don't say that. Don't don't say anything. Okay, goes on, done, cleared. Like seriously? Yeah, I know. And you know, throughout all this, there was uh, Andrew Sermon who went along and pushed Ibrahimovic after that because he was obviously annoyed, which was his second yellow. Now the first, of course, was that tackle on Luke Shaw. Was that a yellow for you? No, never, 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 never. It's a good it, and the fact that Luke Shaw did the same tackle pretty much on Smithy, wasn't it? Uh, slightly earlier in the game, mm. but there was almost a split second, I think, if I remember correctly, where the United players kind of did the reaction thing, yeah, which does change the appearance of a tackle like that. And for me, that's where he's gone. Oh well, he may have won the ball, but it's reckless. I don't. His feet were down. I mean, he took the guy gets cleaned out because it's a slide tackle. You know, it's mm. it was it was never there was nothing. It was never a it was never a yellow card. Mm. But he pushes Ibrahimovic to the to the ground. He went down very softly. But the time delay between his booking and the sending off. I mean, it was obviously that Rooney and other players had reminded Kevin Friend. It, it kind of made me sort of beg the question: Is there a sort of time delay where it's it's sort of almost too late, or could or could Kevin Friend be refereeing in the second half and just have a brainwave thinking, hang on a sec, I booked him twice, you've got to go. Because at one point I thought, he's actually now completely forgotten. And I swear it's only because one of the United players actually reminded him that Sermon actually was shown red. Yeah, that's what it looked like, didn't it? Unless the fourth official or the one of the linos maybe spoke in his ear. But, I mean, the, the speed that he he dished out the yellow and he immediately turned away, made it like it was a, th a throwaway yellow card. And, and as we know, very often for a red card offence, when you've already had a yellow, there seems to be that level of it needs to be a worse foul than would normally be deemed a yellow. So I think in that regard, if he would known that Sermon had already been a book, would he have given him that second yellow? I don't know. Strictly... Aside from Zlatan falling over, again, that's just the ridiculousness of modern football. That's what they do. He has raised his arms and whether he's hit him with a, you know, a big weight or a little weight, he has raised his arms. And the only thing I can think about that is when an incident occurs like the elbow and they were kind of out on their own at the back of the area. We talked about it with the sermon first booking. It's the reaction that can build up an instant. Mm. And we've seen it before with our lads. They're, they're very good, let's be honest, at when there's a player that's already been booked or there's an, a suspicious tackle, you will see us reacting and going around the ref on, on trying to build it up to make it bigger than it was. When the elbow happened, it looked like a lot of the players were clearing the area as if it was almost going to pass. Now, I would imagine, and this is pure speculation, but I would imagine that in the professional game now, lads are trained yeah. to, if if there's been an incident where there's someone who could get red, you need to inflame that situation. And I think if it wasn't Sermon, but it was any other player, Bournemouth player in that position, 
they would have done the same thing. And there was no one else around other than Sermon to make that push. And if he didn't push Latan over, there was no other Bournemouth player close enough to Latan, I don't think, to, to rise the temperature of that situation. Does that make sense? So it feels mm. like it was... Sermon was kind of, he had to push him because someone had to push him to try and get this become a bigger thing than it potentially could have been. Yeah, so at half-time then, it was one all. And I'd, yeah, I wasn't feeling too great about things. Obviously, playing uh, Man United based on how they played in the first 20 minutes and then playing 10 men at Old Trafford as well. In my opinion, it was only going to go one way. And we'd obviously riled Man United and Jose Mourinho because the way he came out the tunnel he sort of had a pop at Mings and then it looked like he told Harry to sort of F off and Tyrone gave him a little shove but anyway the game resumed and I've got to say our defending throughout the whole of the second half was exemplary now for a team that's constantly criticised we did incredibly well and I think Tyrone Mings as well had an excellent half of football as well in a cherry shirt. I mean, everyone was throwing their bodies on the line. And even when sort of Bailey Cargill came on and had his had his sort of 10 or 15 minutes, he did so well as well. And Henry Collier, the Gillingham fan, said, I'm taking credit for this. It's all because of me because we had him on the podcast recently. But um, yeah, Kerry Payton said, you know, an absolutely brilliant, brilliant performance. But before that, Sean, <laughs> Harry Arter... Was he lucky to be on the pitch with that challenge? <laughs> yeah, I had a few United fans very quick to throw that back at me. Well, you know, Arta should have got a second yellow for the foul on Pogba. And potentially could. The only the only get out, and again, I'm a Bournemouth fan, so I'm going to say this. It, I I don't think he was actually trying to make a tackle. He He was sliding to block because he was expecting Pogba to take a shot. And if you look at it, because he... he he starts his slide way before he's at Pogba and then Pogba pulls out of the shot and comes back and then that's when Arta clatters into him. So, but yeah, I think that was a, from the referee, that's all. Oh, we've already sent one off and there's already a bit of aggro here. I'm not going to send off a second one. Yeah, it's interesting reading the views of Matt Hills on Twitter. He had his nine-point plan on basically where the referee sort of got it all wrong. And up to this point, do you, do you think Kevin Friend had a shocker? I mean, were there any or many decisions that he actually got right. I mean, the penalty for us was, you know, definitely right. What about their penalty that they had, Sean? Because obviously the ball's played over to Pogba. Adam Smith, very close to him, but he's got his arm up. It hits it, and he wore a spot kick. Yeah, the, the issue I had with that is that the way he, he followed through with his arm, didn't he? And he didn't just hit his arm. He then, like, scooped the ball out of play, which I'd imagine probably doesn't look good. Mm. So... I don't know. They they get given a lot, don't they? The the second one where he did get that one right, didn't he? He didn't give a second handball on Smith where he did jump with his arms high, but it was mm. kind of his underarm, wasn't it? But mm. I'm giving Kevin Friend far too much credit, I feel. So regarding any potential Ming's ban, um, it's likely that there will be one. And the FA, when they launched their statement, almost preempted the fact that it could be longer than what, is going to be standard. Now, I wouldn't know how on earth this is decided, but apparently there's three referees in a panel and they have to have a, un a unanimous decision. Now, whether they view this video evidence together or individually or not, I don't know. I mean, it's individually, it's individually is it, Sean? Yeah, as that's what I read, is that they are individual and then they all have to reach the same decision. So that's the only... There is an element... I th there's enough... Potentially, there's enough element of doubt for one of them to say i can't conclusively say the only the only thing is is regardless of whether he meant it or not do they still say it was reckless if they still deem it reckless regardless of whether it was intent or not then i think that's enough for them to commit him hmm very interesting so we should hear in the next few days about that i i would imagine now, in conclusion, uh, it's very interesting just to see you and hear what other people have been saying. AFC Pete thinks that another 10 or 11 points should see us home. Patrick Devitt, a huge point for the Cherries. Mr Tiggs on Twitter says, Eddie should have a Dean Court pie next Friday night and then we can start with 10 men against West Ham. Now, if you've heard, uh, there have been some articles floating around Twitter about the uh, the food quality at Dean Court, but we won't go 
too much into that. Um, John Darch, unreal result for AFCB. Matt Callahan, that point could be as significant as the one against Arsenal at home, but in a very different way. And also, I just wanted to shout out to Stephen Jenkins from the Tales from the South End website. Now, he was on the sports bar with Andy Goldstein and Jason Cundy on uh, Thursday night, and he said that Bournemouth would draw one all, and Goldstein and Cundy were falling about laughing. Who's laughing now, eh? <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, Mr. Tiggs with the pie idea of the 10 men, that there's a. <laughs> I guess the interesting thing about the, the rest of the game was that we, we've said Bournemouth can't, you know, just grind out a draw or a victory away from home. We can't just be defensive and sit back and our fullbacks don't push forward. We only have one way of playing. The the sending off potentially was the best thing that actually could have happened for us because it forced us to change the way that we play. And what's interesting now is can we can we look at that second half and analyse that second half and work out how we can play a similar shape away from home against the big guys, but have that extra player as an out ball, you know, that gives us that different way of playing. Because if we hadn't have had that sending off, would the second half have flowed much like the first half, except would United eventually have got clinical and would Boric somehow have been able to let one in for after, you know, saving everything? That's the guy's guess is the interesting thing that is what can we learn from that amazing second half? And those lads were, all of them were absolutely dead on their feet, weren't they, by the full-time whistle. Every single one of them yeah. gave everything they could to get the point. So if, you need, if you're looking at signs and you're looking at teams near the bottom and you're saying, who's got that extra thing that's going to get them out of trouble and is going to keep them up? The way those lads performed that second half, for me, is like, well, we're going to do it. Yeah, I know it's a draw and one point, but it felt like a victory. And when everyone's happy, we get lots of puns here, Sean. So I want to just quickly run through these before we move on. And I want to just quickly ask you if you think any of these are good. Steve Traylon, AFCB heroic rearguard effort brings out the devil in Mings and Zlatan. Not really a pun there, but that pretty much summed it up, Steve. Another Steve, Steve Wright. Zlatan the slayer gives Mings the elbow, but AFCB hold on together in electric theatre of dreams Tony Maycock Mings the Merciless battles Flash Zlatan in front of Friend of Manchester <laughs> love it yes that's good that's good <laughs> Nick Smith manure wasn't the only thing that stank at Old Trafford yesterday Kevin Friend was a pile of crap can I say that yeah I think we can um, and also David Smith the big pole plays the devil's advocate as our friend reveals his true colours there we go well done everyone yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good couple of ones. Well done. Let's see. Yeah, it's always like you said, though. It's always when we win, eh? We get the puns. When we lose, nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing. that's right. Now, so whilst it was drama at Old Trafford on Saturday, there was some drama of a different kind just 10,500 miles down the road from the game in New South Wales, Australia. Or just a stone's throw from me in New Zealand. As this weekend, Cherries fans and football supporters of three other clubs got together for a seven-a-side charity football tournament, namely the AFCB Central Coast Community Cup. Yeah, that's right, Sean. So competing on the day were a mixture of fans from the AFCB Central Coast and Sydney supporters groups, Barnstonworth United Football Club, the Central Coast Hammers, and an Arsenal supporters club from the Central Coast and Newcastle regions. Now, as well as being a social event which culminated with everyone watching the Cherries match versus Manchester United, it was also a fundraiser for 17-year-old Jade Ida. Now Jade is a family friend of Chris, one of the lads who played in the tournament for Barnstonworth, and he said a few words about the cause for Jade and her family, who are raising money for their daughter. Uh, his eldest daughter Jade is 17 and unfortunately she's had this illness for a long time and the Westmead doctors have said that she's got to go to Boston now for treatment, otherwise it's um, terminal. So um, we're just raising some money to help the family out. He's a bus driver, she works for an hour and a so we're just trying to give him a few mortgage three months and uh, time to get over there so we really appreciate your support with it uh, that's where it's going to go to and um, we'll let you know how she goes but we really appreciate it thank you 
So yes, Jade, who's in year 12 at school, the equivalent to our sixth form over here, is seeking further medical advice and treatment for a very rare condition that's left doctors dumbfounded. The diagnosis is extensive hemorrhagic mixed venous and lymphatic malformation consumptive coagulopathy. Australian doctors have said that there is nothing more they can do for her here and the only way to help Jade is to start searching worldwide for other people who have similar symptoms. Now, she's had numerous blood transfusions and 42 surgeries to date. She's determined to live a normal and happy life the best she can with her goal to be a lawyer or to work with young disadvantaged children. Jade's symptoms are endless and it affects her in every way possible. So with the players and contributors all hoping to help the cause, the only thing that was left was for the football to begin. As tournament organiser Tim Watt, who is also a cherry down under, explained. Uh, no, thanks for coming. Uh, hopefully it's going to be uh, a fun evening, afternoon, whatever, we, whatever it is. Uh, just remember it is for fun, okay? No sliding tackles. Um, we're going to play 20 minute games, straight through, no half times. Uh, at the end of it, we'll play each other. At the end of it, the top two, we'll play each other in a final. Uh, all we need for each game is one, one person who isn't playing to wreck the game. Just have a bit of, obviously, a bit of respect for that person. No abuse in the referee. So then, what easy game do the Cherries have to begin with? First game is Bournemouth against Arsenal, so when you guys Oh, nice. The Gunners. Nick Goodwin is from AFCB Sydney Supporters Club, and he said that he was expecting an exciting tournament. This year we're expecting a really exciting tournament because it's been expanded to four teams. So that includes basically AFC Bournemouth, Central Coast and Sydney combined, West Ham United, Arsenal and Barnstonworth FC. So let's see how we go. OK, so come on you Reds, let's get three points on the board and don't screw up the lead like the first team did, eh? Well, you'll be pleased to hear the good news is that Cherries won the match 6-1. However, the next game saw Cherries play West Ham and the roles were very much reversed in a 4-1 loss. But with the AFCB supporters beating Barnstonworth in their final match, this meant that it was the boys in red and black that reached the final, only to face the same West Ham side that previously tonked them 4-1. So we asked Nick, given the earlier result against the Hammers, whether he was fancying the Cherries to lift the silverware. It's going to be a tough match. Um, we've spoken amongst ourselves and we've identified what, what went wrong during the group match. And I think we're quietly confident as to what we need to do in order to grind out a result and get the win. So let's go, Jerry's! So it was a pretty close game. One all, in fact, and it went to penalties. And it got down to sudden death. And with West Ham stepping up to take a crucial penalty... They missed! So it came down to Tim Watts, the AFC Bournemouth superfan, to step up and win the tournament for the Cherries. No pressure, Tim. <laughs> so get in, Bournemouth emerged victorious and the silverware was lifted. Now you can check out the photos of the day by following AFCB Sydney on Twitter. By the way, how good does a trophy with red and black ribbons look on it? Alas, <laughs> in this hemisphere I think we'll probably never know judging by Eddie Howe's FA Cup lineups. But afterwards, the players then mooched on down to the pub, which was Sideline Sports and Grill in Arena, where they were helping to contribute to Jade's cause by donating 20% of the proceeds. And if you are looking for somewhere to go and get some food tonight and you fancy watching the game later on, um, then <laughs> Sideline for a good feed and they've said that they will donate 20% of all of the, uh, the takings that they get while we're there tonight. So go there and spend as much as you can and they'll donate 20% of that. Yeah, well done, so, Woo! so Nick, with the trophy in the bag, was your optimism high ahead of our first team's match at Old Trafford? Well, with the trophy in the bag, it always a good feeling indeed. Um, and when we finished, when we're finishing off here, off to Sideline Sports School, and uh, I think the basic mood is to see, let's see, wait and see what happens. 
Um, the team has been performing much better in the last couple of games and uh, anything is possible. So let's go for it. So let's eavesdrop on how things went down the pub. Beautiful. It sounds like they had an amazing time, just like I did. I'll play you a bit of that in a minute, by the way. A great result in the UK and a great day down under Tunic. Well, it's been a fantastic day today at the Central Coast. Over 80 people have braved these terrible weather conditions to be here. We've managed to compete, uh, yet at the same time have a great uh, atmosphere throughout the tournament. And uh, the 20 or so Cherry supporters that came here today uh, some of them spectators and some of them players. Uh, we've managed to you know, have some really good banter of our experiences being a Cherry supporter overseas and uh, sharing the old memories that we used to have from Dean Court. And the um, great thing is that we've raised $950 for Jade's cause and we're hoping that's not the end of it. And uh, to top it all off, uh, we've got a 1 1 draw at Old Trafford, which I don't think too many people were expecting. But uh, all up, it's just been fantastic. A, foot, a festival of football. So, thanks to Nick Goodwin. Great to hear the team in red and black being victorious over the weekend, bringing home the silverware. Sounds like you had an amazing time. And also, thanks for providing us with the audio from the event as well. Now, um... It was interesting hearing you cheering and celebrating in the pub. Now, Sean, I don't know about you. I expect being in New Zealand, you get the same commentary as what the Aussies do. They probably get the world commentary feed of Premier League matches. But here in the UK, as it was a televised match on Sky, we got the oh-so-neutral commentary team of Gary Neville, ex-United defender, and someone who I thought at the time would be neutral until I remembered this bit of commentary from a United goal. Martial is isolated. Skirtle here. Oh, yes! Welcome to Manchester United! Anthony Martial! <laughs> yes! Who says yes? Which commentators say yes? But anyhow, yeah, that's Martin Tyler. And Nick... Yep, your screams were quite loud in the pub, but I will raise you a few decibels because I was actually recording myself on my phone. We were going to do a little uh, featurette for the podcast where I was listening and going crazy, probably crying into my, my coffee. But alas, I was quite excited. Now, you might need to turn your volume levels down a little bit here as I celebrate Josh King's goal and then Arthur Boric's penalty save. You have been warned. Come on, Joshy. Come on, Joshy. Come on, Joshy. Oh, come on, Josh. Come on. Come on, my man. Come on. Please, Joshy. It's taking forever. If the referee stood out, oh my god, what a delay. What's he doing, the referee? Come on, Josh. Go on, go on, go on. Yes, get in! Get in! Get in! What a good penalty, high into the net. Oh my God! One all. Okay, I'm not getting too excited, but we scored a goal. Conceded a penalty, but he couldn't do much about that. And Ibrahimovic now facing up to Arta Boric. And I just cannot believe the absolute shocking state of refereeing today. According to the Sky graphic, Ibrahimovic has scored three, two to the right, one to the left. He's also missed one to the left of the goal. So uh, you'd say he's going to the right. Come on, Arta. Come on, come on. Oh, he saved it! Oh! Oh! No! Yes, Arta! Come on! Oh, my God! Oh, my actual God! This is ridiculous. Come on, out we go, boys. Out we go. I tell you what, 
No more than we deserve. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> it was very similar sounds down here in, uh, well, whatever time it was. I got to bed at 4am, I think it was, and then just laid there for ages, just too excited thinking about all the games and then thankfully sky woke up at like 5 a.m in the morning so that only had an hour before i could think about the game all day uh and i just wanted to ask actually sean in the grand scheme of things when you look back at the this season do you consider that draw a bigger result than the win at chelsea last season because a lot of people on twitter have been saying you know they they think it's bigger but for me I don't quite get that same feeling. I mean, because we're still in it. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like when you look at the team lineup for Manchester United, I mean, that lineup this weekend surpassed the United team that we beat last year and certainly on form, the Chelsea team that we played. I don't know. That week with the Chelsea and the United was just such a special time, wasn't it? And I don't know. I, I don't. I think it, it's hard to, for me to surpass that because it was the first time and it was such a big thing. Uh, aside from the fact that, yeah, I guess on, upon, upon reflection, that was a United side bang on form. The stadium was packed and, yeah, we got a draw. It's still really special and we'll go down as one of those games in history, I guess. Mm, yeah, good point. Well, we play West Ham United on Saturday and I'm thinking another three points. So it's a 3pm kickoff at the Vitality Stadium as we welcome Slavan Bilic's boys and on Monday night they lost at home to Chelsea but even though their form is not the greatest they're in 11th place and they're only six points ahead of us. Their last loss against a non-top six side was actually back at the end of October where they were defeated at Goodison Park so really I think their kind of bad form has been well, I say bad form. They've been better recently, but their topsy-turvy form has been slightly over-exaggerated somewhat. They did draw at home uh, two-all with West Brom recently, which wasn't the best, and then away one-all at Watford. So they're going to be wanting to pick up points as they secure a top-half spot. But I suppose for us, the concern is not focusing on them. It's, can focus it, it's to focus on our own. And the big decision that we don't know at this point in time is one, will Simon Francis be fit? Because if he is going to be fit, that probably means the Tyrone Mings decision isn't so important. But Mings, we don't know what's going to happen to him. If Mings and Francis were both out, then maybe Bailey Cargill will get run out again. Yeah, so we, with us appealing the Mings uh, decision, there was somebody on Twitter saying, you know, is that a stall tactic because if we appeal it does that mean that he can still play um and then possibly if franny's not franno's not fit for another week so yeah there's definitely going to be some uh, interesting considerations with the lineup in terms of the side that we run with um you know and is there going to be a place for jack to come back in the side or not mm, yeah very interesting now i was i wasn't that impressed with mark Pugh on on the weekend, barring his uh, chop, which was the sort of one sort of good piece of action he did, I don't think he would. Uh, I don't think he'd be best placed to play against West Ham. I think we do need some pace on either flank. So I say it quite often, um, but I, I would quite like Josh King here to come out there on the left. Still have the three in the middle. Um, now Sermon, I suppose they're not appealing the Sermon ban, so I, I presume that's it. He's banned, is he? In which case, Wilshire, Arter, and Gosling in the middle, maybe. Yeah, because you can't appeal um, t for two yellows, I don't think, can you? You can only appeal oh. if it's a straight red. So the fact it was two yellows, mm. which again seems like a ridiculous rule. But anyway, so yeah. he's he's definitely... So in that regard, yeah, if if, a, if Fove's up top, then you're right. You could go King King one side, Fraser the other, and then your midfield three, Arta, Wilshire, Gosling, with Wilshire potentially playing that higher position. Mm. And then, yeah, at the back... Um, Interesting one, isn't it? So if Francis isn't fit and if Mings is out, does 
Cargill then become the starting centre back next to Cookie? Hmm. I've I've got to say that you know yes we've just come out of uh, an incredible result but we rode our luck so much during that fixture. I don't think four four two is the way forward for this because West Ham have got some quality in the middle in the middle of the pitch and I I I think I'd feel more comfortable with us playing five across the midfield and then a Fobe up front or maybe if we're going to do it differently your King up top and then maybe someone like Jordan Ibe. Who, or, or even Max Gradle, because he, you know, he got some minutes at the weekend as well. But I don't know, maybe that's a, a bit of a far-fetched idea. But four-four-two, I'm not sure I'd feel uncomfortable because effectively we did, we did ride our luck. But yeah, at the back, um, Alex Deutsch on Twitter in the week said that Francis is likely to return, in which case that would just mean he would slot straight in. But if he didn't. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel too bad with Kaigel there, based on what I saw from him from the last ten minutes. He did very well against world class opposition. Yeah, we did, and you know, he's got to play at some point. And you know, this is the the consequence you could say of our recruitment policies in with our defenders that this is what we've got, and we've got to go with what you know what is ahead of us. So yeah, that will be an interesting decision, and it might be not until we see the guys come out the tunnel or the hour before when the lineups made. I think for me, the good thing on the back of this result is that we have a home game. So there's a lot of good energy from that game. There's from a supporter's perspective, you've seen it online. Everyone's just kind of got that buzz. And, you know, Dean Court has been flat until we hit the 70th minute when suddenly everyone often wakes up. And that's the biggest thing I'm hoping is that, you know, everyone that turns up for the game, they're as up for it as hopefully the players are. And if we can get the crowd going early, and it's different now. It's telling the crowd to get going when you're on a bad run of form. It's it's hard, regardless of whether you should or shouldn't. But there's got to be more of excitement for this game. And that, I hopefully, will give us that impetus. And who knows? We, we've talked about on our day, if we if everything comes together, we can terrorise teams. Now, is this the moment that we terrorise them and do we go and get a really big solid win I would still happily take a stubborn 1-0 to be honest and let's see us build on our defensive um, improvements that we did see in that second half I'd still be happy with that at the end of the final final whistle So if you're going to put your neck on the line Sean for a prediction this week what are you going to go for? 3-0 defeat No, no Sammy not a (laughs) 3-0 I, I predicted 3-0 defeat last week and then on the morning of the game I just woke up and then for some reason I had this optimism of I think something might happen today. So that that felt good. That felt really good. Um, it's easy to get wrapped up in this is a you know United game was a game changer and we're going to we're going to go and win it 3-1. That would be what I'd love. I I'm one all. One all. Mm, interesting. Okay. Well, apparently, according to the the match on Monday, uh, when West Ham played Chelsea, they they did sort of they did put a lot of pressure on Chelsea, and some say they were unlucky to come out of it with a defeat. And we're talking West Ham playing the league leaders at their moribund home that uh, is very quiet and atmosphereless. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 gonna err on the side of victory and say that Bournemouth are going to emerge. I'm going to say this now. 3-1 victors at Dean Court. This is not Sir Jeff Hurst, but you are listening to Back of the Net. Okay, so we hope you've enjoyed this slightly more optimistic version of Back of the Net. It does feel good after a good result, doesn't it? And uh, we just want to thank all of you who got involved, whether it was with your audio or whether it was with some messages online or just retweets and likes and shares and follows and whatever else the kids do these days. Um, Yeah, just thank you. We really do appreciate that. 
Yeah, and uh, we made a plea a couple of weeks ago for anyone that can help out with the podcast or wants to get involved uh, next season. And we've had loads of people get in touch, actually, and some names that we just haven't heard of before. So it always gives me and Sean this warm glow, as do your iTunes reviews as well. Thank you so much for doing that. If you go to afcbpodcast.com slash iTunes, you get to iTunes and then you can leave a review. You can do it via your podcast app as well but if you can leave some kind words for us, this really helps us because we start to become featured and the more features we get, the more listeners we get the better chance it is to attract sponsorship all that all that caboodle. So um, yeah, thank you very much for doing that communal loving this is on the outro at the end of the show so hopefully we're all loving the result at the weekend as we take on the hammers if you're going to the game then lucky lucky you sing loud sing proud and wherever else you are in the world make sure you wear your Bournemouth shirt on the day of the game afterwards and you can get people walking up to you to say hey good result or whatever else you might get and we will be back next week after the game for another show much like this full of optimism after a great victory draw terrible defeat um regardless tune in this has been back of the net the afc bournemouth podcast Podcast Network.